All right, hello. Uh, welcome to the first annual, my first annual Art Sports State, State of St. Louis Sports Address. So uh, first of all, I'd like to apologize. We haven't been getting podcasts out. You can hear my daughter in the background probably. But we haven't been getting podcasts out between the holidays and between um, yeah, between the holidays and between the start of the semester and now Spencer has a new job. It's been a little difficult to find time to sit down and record a podcast, but given that the president uh, just recorded or just gave his State of the Union address, I figured I might as well do the same for uh, for St. Louis sports. As I kind of mentioned in the tweet, uh, well, first first of all, I, hope, I also hope Spencer has a chance to do this. This is Jared, by the way. I hope Spencer, Spencer has a chance to do this on his own. As I mentioned in the tweet, I, this is kind of going to look at the programs or the teams, organizations, as a whole, rather than just looking at their current situation, which is kind of what we've done for the podcast. Um, I hope, like I said, I hope Spencer has a chance to do one of these because I'm sure we have different views for um, for where we think the programs are and where they're headed, organizations, whatever it is. And I'd like to, I'm sure he'd like to give his opinion on that stuff. Uh, yeah, so this is kind of just going to be me talking. I know it's going to be a little boring. I'm going to try to keep it as interesting as possible. Uh, I'm going to talk about four different teams or programs or whatever, the Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball, the St. Louis Blues, and the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm probably going to start with Mizzou basketball, then go to Mizzou football, and then probably Blues, Cardinals in that order. The The last two might switch, but I'm definitely going to start with Mizzou and then go St. Louis. At the end, I might throw in some extra tidbits about some other St. Louis sports, uh, maybe SLU, probably not, but you know, who knows, I've, that's, that's a whole uh, address away. So, like I said, I'm going to start with Mizzou basketball. Um, kind of where we are right now, Mizzou's 14-8. and eight. Uh, They're 42nd, I think, in the Kim Palm rankings, which uh, is a good place to be. Um, they're 4-5 and five in the SEC, 6th in the SEC. Um, good news first, they, they're better than last year, you know, and they're, they're on pace to, to making the NCAA tournament. If they close out the season well, they're probably in it. And there's rumblings that Michael Porter Jr. might be coming back. I don't know. I doubt it. It'd be nice. But uh, that's kind of where we are. And then, um, yeah, so so we've won some good games. We've lost some really bad games, especially through the last four double-digit losses. Some of them probably shouldn't have happened, but that is where it is. We've lost some very close games, some very frustrating games. The loss to Florida, the loss to West Virginia, both of them were very frustrating. Um, you know, you don't want to. They lost to Arkansas too. Uh, I mean, Mizzou lost four. Their, their two of their first four conference games, I think. Yeah, two of their first four conference games, they lost by a total of four points. Um, that sucks. But they they beat Tennessee. Uh, they had a good win against Georgia. A good win against South Carolina. And then recently they went against Alabama, which is a great team with with an NBA talent guard, uh, which is Mizzou's hardest position to play against. So that's the good news. Now the bad news. Um, I think at the beginning of the season we were kind of looking, expecting this a little more from this team. Part of that might be that we underestimated how good the SEC was going to be. I don't think anyone saw Auburn, especially after they lost their two players. I don't think anyone expected them to be leading the SEC. Um, but it's just deep. You know, anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Which I mean, Mississippi State beating Missouri 
handily shows that. Um, so it, that's, you know, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. And I mean, so is a loss to Illinois who isn't having a good year. Um, part of that's because Michael Porter Jr. is, is, has been hurt since the second minute of the season. Um, that's really disappointing to lose the one of the top recruits in the nation and kind of the guy who was supposed to bring you back to national relevance. But, you know, expectations at the beginning of the year were to make the NCAA tournament, I think. Maybe a Sweet 16 team, but make it. And I think there's still a good chance that happening. So you can't be too mad about it, all things considered. Um, other bad news, Blake Harris and C.J. Roberts both transferred leaving Mizzou with no natural point guard. Uh, Jordan Geis has filled in admirably-ish, and uh, Cassius Robertson's taken over some point guard duties, but right now you have three scholarship point guard, or three scholarship guards, period. Colin Van Leer, Jordan Geist, and Cassius Robertson. And outside of Robertson, none of those guys really strike fear in the opponent. Um, but, you know, uh, the, Brett Rouse, bless his heart, has put in some decent minutes, I guess. And Geist has developed a little more. Van Leer starting to look a little bit better. It's not ideal, but it, it is what it is at this point. So, oh well. Um, and then Terrence Phillips getting uh, getting suspended recently for a Title IX investigation is kind of a black eye to on the program. It's not a look that you want to have. Um, it's not as bad as Slu having three play, four players investigated. Uh, that's Apparently, rumors that Carter Ray Gordon, uh, I'm sorry, Carter Ray Gordon, I'm watching something as I do this. I'm watching the Dortmund game. Uh, anyways, it's part of the rumors that Carter Ray Gordon might be reconsidering his slew decision, which would be big for Mizzou. I don't think he will. Anyways, um, but anyways, it, it's not a great look for Mizzou to have a player suspended because of a Title IX investigation, even if it perhaps is more uh, common than we. we would like um, the the whole Michigan State drama is not a good look for them either. But my point is, is that while there are some plus sides, while Mizzou is fourteen and eight already and looking like they could be an NCAA tournament team, there's also some downsides. But like I said, I want this to be looking at the program as a whole moving forward. So I'm going to start by looking at the 2018 recruiting class, which is okay from a Mizzou perspective. Um. You have three guys committed already. You have KJ Santos, you have um, K- so you have KJ Santos, you have Javon Pickett, and you have Torrance Watson. Watson's easily the biggest name there. I'm all aboard the Watson hype train. He's a two guard, pretty much. He probably could be a combo call him combo guard, maybe, but a two guard who scores a lot. I mean, he he put up 58 points the other night in high school, which is that's a lot of points to put up. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, the class is kind of a weird one in that all three players have some little quirk. So KJ Santos is at a community college right now, but not playing there because he wants to preserve eligibility. Uh, Javon Pickett had reclassified out of the class of 2017 into the class of 2018. He kind of flipped with Jonte Porter, who classified out of the class of 2018 into the class of 2017. Kind of funny. And Torrance Watson was um, committed to Ohio State before – he eventually committed to Mizzou. And if you look at the other guys that were considered in the class and the other names that have been targeted, Carter Ray Gordon committed to SLU, kind of flirted with Mizzou for a little bit. Nothing happened out of that. Yet, like I said, there are some rumors that he, he might be looking to leave SLU after the Title IX suspensions and expulsions. 
he hasn't done it yet, but if it happens, it happens. And the other guy that was mentioned a lot was Courtney Ramey, who's from St. Louis. I uh, had committed to Louisville before that scandal broke. Um, he's since ruled uh, Mizzou out, which is disappointing, but you can't win them all. And then as and then the other person who's ruled Mizzou out is Tiger Campbell, uh, point guard from Indiana, uh, who Mizzou did not make their top four. So, anyways, the class is just kind of an odd one uh, thus far. Um, they're looking at two more guys, or, or at least thus far, at least right now. Um, so you're looking at Xavier Pinson, a point guard from Chicago, who who's kind of came onto the scene in a big way recently. I think Wisconsin gave him an offer. He's actually coming down this weekend to play uh, to watch the Mizzou play Kentucky. So hopefully that's a win um, for Mizzou, and they get the recruiting victory as well there. We won't know for sure. He's I think we're announcing his decision in three weeks or so. So we'll hear then, but. I'm sure a win against Kentucky and uh, would be a big, big step forward uh, for for our likeliness in bringing them there. Um, the other guy is a JUCO guy, Trent Williams. Um, he's another one of those guys who hasn't really. There's not really much known about him. He didn't. I don't think he had a D1 offer coming out of high school, but he's been fantastic at JUCO. Uh, he compares himself or his game. He models it after Russ Westbrook, obviously. He's no Russ Westbrook, otherwise he would have been getting D1 offers and probably be gone already. But but that's a good guy to have someone who's modeling his game after. Um, you know, a nice creator, uh, which is what Mizzou needs at the point guard spot. Uh, the point guard is kind of our weakest spot. Uh, guards in general are right now. And looking forward, you're going to lose some guys. So next year, looking at guys who have played, you're losing um, Brett Rao. So there's a there's a big loss there. Um, but you you can replace him with the. Uh, with Ronnie Suggs, who started at Bradley and then transferred at went transferred to Mizzou, sitting out this year. Uh, Suggs isn't a guy you expect much out of, but he did in his freshman year at Bradley uh, put up eight and a half points in thirty minutes of play. So you know he has some potential, uh, and as a walk-on guy, it's good to have. But anyways, that's Brett Rao, Ronnie Suggs, kind of one in one out. And then looking at scholarship guys, you're losing Jordan Barnett and Cassius Robertson, so your two biggest scorers. And then you're probably losing. Michael Porter Jr. That's not confirmed, but um, it's confirmed. So Jonte Porter a couple of days ago was asked if MPJ was coming back this year, and he said, I don't know. It's whatever his body says, the doctors say, but if he doesn't come back, it'll, it will have been fun to have him at Mizzou or something to that effect. That basically confirms that he's not coming back. Disappointing not to see him in the stripes again if he doesn't come back, but you know, I, I can't blame a guy for wanting to be a lottery pick in the NBA and having the talent to do it. Frustrating, but disappointing, and, and disappointing, but understandable. You're also probably losing Terrence Phillips. Um, I don't think they're going to dismiss him from the team until the investigation is concluded. That said, I think you'll know when the, I think the investigation will be concluded pretty quickly, and it's not looking good for T. Phil. Um, I think four women have come out accusing him of sexual harassment or assault. And, uh, you know, when, when that many people are saying the same thing about you, that's not a good look. Um, which is too bad because I, I, until I found this out, I was, I liked Terrence Phillips. Uh, but if this, if these allegations are true, then good riddance. Um, so anyways, you have those scholarships available. Uh, you're looking to add two point guards. Uh, I think that'll be the end of the class, uh, the, the full class. Um, 
so next year is going to be an interesting year. You know, it it, it, it remains to be if if Henson and William come, I'm a little more optimistic just because you have a couple true point guards, which is what Mizzou is lacking right now. Uh, I'm on board the Watson hype train. I think he's going to be great. I think he'll be a good replacement for Cassius Robertson. And I also don't think he'll be good enough to be a one and done. So it's nice to kind of build on him. Uh, you have the building blocks down low with of Tillman, Perrier, and Porter, as well as Mitch Smith and Nico. So you have a lot of depth down low. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those last two guys, Nico or Smith, transfer. Probably Smith, given that Nico's getting uh, minutes right now. But they haven't done it yet, so I'm not going to count on that. Maybe you bring in some transfers if they do. You know, it's still a little bit up in the air. But, you know, right now, the team, if you get a couple good point guards, you have depth everywhere, and you have some elite players in some places. I think players who could be elite are Porter, Jonte, uh, Tillman, and uh, I think I think Watson could be, if not elite, very, very good. Um, so, so. There's, a, there's the building blocks of a good team, and you have the depth, too, because you have someone like Geist or Williams or Pinson. You have three potential point guards there, and obviously Geist can slide and play the two, especially the way he's been shooting this year. Uh, and Colin Van Leer apparently was hurt all summer. He's looked better recently. So maybe he comes in, develops into a little bit of something, and you have Perrier there, too. Um, so it's a, nice, it's a nice little group of players you have. Looking at 2019 now, I think is where it kind of really gets interesting. Uh, 2019 has the potential to be a fantastic group of recruits for Mizzou. Uh, there's a ton of local talent. So looking at players in Missouri or central to southern Illinois or Kansas, but like kind of the Kansas City area, there's, I mean, a bunch of top 200 guys. So going down the list, I'm looking at right now 24-7, 247 sports, whatever it is, their list. This is not the end-all, be-all. This is just a quick way for me to kind of get an idea of where these guys are. Uh, you have Francis Okoro, who's the 34th rated player. Um, you have EJ Liddell, who's right there at number 50. Um, you have Malik Hall, who's from Kansas City, uh, who's 52. So Francis Okoro is from Normal, Illinois, which is kind of central Illinois. It's not really local for Missouri, for Mizzou. It's more local for U of I, I would say. Or actually, it's right where Illinois State is, but... I think he's uh, above. I think Illinois State. But I think he's above that level. So U of I would be kind of the D one local school, uh, or at least do a uh, Power Five conference, Power Six conference, whatever it is. Uh, EJ Liddell's from Southern Illinois, Belleville, or basically east, uh, the east east side um, of St. Louis. Not East St. Louis, but uh, that side of the river. Um, uh, the Malik Hall lives in Kansas City on the Kansas side of the border. Um, He's the 52nd rated. Mercedes Leach is from Mercedes Leach is from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, which has become a surprising uh, talent factory of, of, of D1 basketball talent uh, for a small town in southeast Missouri. But hey, we'll take it. Um, and then you have uh, Terrence Hargrove. Um, I'm trying to think of the names. I'm going through it, but it's, it's taking a while to load. Terrence Hargrove Jr. is from East St. Louis. East St. Louis. Um, he's a guy. You have Mario McKinney, who's from St. Louis. He goes to Vashon. Uh, I think that's everyone, but I mean, the fact that you're just naming guy after guy after guy and going through these guys, and, and Mario McK- these are all top 150 guys. I'm not even into the, the 200, they're the later 150. So, I mean, there's a lot of names you could add. Oh, there's Isaiah Mosley, who's from Como himself. Uh, so, you know, it's there's just so many guys that you can 
theoretically bring in uh, Roman Wilson is from is from Kansas City. Like it's just it just keeps going. Uh, Time Freeman's from Springfield, Missouri. It's just there's so much local talent, and that's what you brought in Conzo uh, to do, and he's done a good job so far. So you have the Porters, you have Tillman, uh, Javon Pickett's from the area. Uh, I think he was. Yeah, I know he's an Illinois guy, but I think he's near St. Louis. I don't remember exactly where he is from. Um, you know, it's just you got to bring these guys in, at least some of them. You, I mean, obviously, I think it's a little unrealistic. It's definitely unrealistic to say you want all of them. But they're guys that you should be bringing in. Uh, I know Malik Hall has already visited Mizzou. I think E.J. Liddell has too. I don't know for sure, but he's definitely talked about Mizzou. Um, and so there's, those are guys that you expect – that you want to bring in, you know, and, and if they do, you could have a very, very solid class. Uh, and given that you're going to, so the players you're going to be replacing are per year guys, Van Leer. Um, and if he's not already gone, Terrence Phillips, uh, I, I guess I think one of Mitchell Smith or Reed Nickel will transfer, especially by then you you got to play that one how, as it goes. You can't count on it, but I think you're, you're looking at four or five, slots that you that you can fill of course phillips could be gone early enough that, that you don't count that slot that you get someone this class um but it's that remains to be seen regardless the, the plus side of this class is that there's a ton of guys that that are great i think kind of jordan barnett type guys where they're not the elite of the elite but they're solid solid contributors um there's a lot of them are wing players there's not a there's a true center. I think two true centers. I think Roman Wilson is a center. I want to say. Let me find him. Uh, yeah, Roman Wilson's a 6'10 center. Um, and then Okoro's a 6'9 center. So that's not ideal height. But, you know, if you have Tillman and Porter around still, I don't think you will. I think one of them is going to break out enough next year that they're going to go to the NBA. Probably Jonte. I think Tillman's more of a three-year guy. I think Jonte could be a two-year guy. Just my guess, but if you have them around, you don't need a guy immediately, which is nice. Um, but but you have Roman Wilson uh, and Okoro who are centers, and you have EJ Liddell, who's a power forward. He's only six seven. He's kind of more of like a Kevin Purrier replacement, I think, with a higher ceiling. So there's that. Uh, the other downside is that you don't have a point guard in this class. Uh, you have a lot of twos, and maybe I don't know enough about them to say whether or not they're combo guards or not. Just yet, I'm sure I'll learn more as this still weighs out. Um, but I know that Rocket Watts is someone that is uh, a point guard that's been that's been looked at by uh, Mizzou, uh, and he's a 55th best prospect. I think he's already been offered, or 55th best recruit, excuse me. I think he's already been offered. So you have the potential to have a really good 2019 recruiting class. That's where I'm looking for uh, Mizzou recruiting to, or Conzo's recruiting to really get it done. But you have to get it done. So um, right now. If there's a lot of optimism around the program, as there should be. Um, I think you get a tournament bid this year. I think you get a, at least one of Pinson or Williams, uh, hopefully both, for 2018 and close out that class. Uh, maybe a transfer, a grad transfer especially would be nice. Um, and then we go from there. And then 2019 has the potential to really set this program down a good path. Uh, so that's kind of where I am with Mizzou basketball. Uh, Mizzou football, uh, <laughs> you know, if they closed out the year – uh, remarkably well, um, all things considered. So, I mean, they started out so poorly, um, and they brought it back. Uh, we kind of talked about this in the podcast before. 
um, just just looking at you know, how that's going on, how, how that happened. Um, so I'm not going to get too much into it now. I'm going to look kind of at the 2018 uh, Mizzou football class um, and kind of where their, everything's lined up. Great news, uh, Drew Loss back and Terry Beckman Jr. is back. You know, those are the two question marks in terms of uh, NFL talent. And uh, they're both back. So that's, that's a great thing. Um, you do lose... Of course, you lose. Uh, sorry, you lose. Um, you lose Jamon Moore if you lose your top uh, wide receiver, and then Caleb Pruitt's been suspended for violating team rules. Sorry, that's my dog. Go get him. Uh, um, for violating violating team rules, and uh, he's a big player. He was important. His his switch to back to safety was a big thing for the defense, kind of solidifying a little bit. Um, so that's, that's, uh, you hope he's okay to come back and there's nothing too bad about him, but you don't know. Um, looking at the recruits for 2018, you are adding a guy, uh, who was, uh, Harry Ballard, who went to Juco, who was a top wide receiver, uh, recruit. And so you have that. Uh, which is nice. Um, the other guys you're losing that are big are um, your DN, so Jordan Harold and uh, Marcel Frazier. You have a couple guys, Trey Williams coming back and uh, someone else, but you're also bringing in some one of your more talented guys. Trajan Jeffcoat has been talked about a lot recently as someone that you're the, that the the staff seems to be very excited about. He's a DN. Um, I think you could also potentially see because there's a lot of depth at the D tackle. It wouldn't be absurd to see Beckner Jr. line up as the D end a little bit. I mean, he'd be massive, but he's so quick and talented that you could see him doing it. And there's a lot of D tackle um, guys. So there's uh, Paul Moore and Kobe Whiteside, and then you're bringing in Antar Thompson, who's 23 and a sophomore, which is cool. Um, yeah, quarterback wise, you, you've got you got you got your guy in Lindsey Scott, um, who's who's from Last Chance U, and he looks like he's going to be the backup. Is either him or Michael Wilson are going to back up uh, Drew Locke and kind of build forward. Um, and then you have a bunch of other, I mean, you have a ton of recruits coming in. There's, a, I think, what you're hoping for is uh, Mike Thompson Jr., Michael Thompson Jr. Uh, from Parkway North, who has narrowed down his schools to Mizzou and OU. You hope he commits to Mizzou, and then you have a ton of D-tackles and depth and talent. And then that Beckner Jr. scenario might actually happen. Waiting to hear about that. I think they need another running back, too. And there's a guy down in Texas, uh, Brumfield, something like that, who's looking uh, at Mizzou. And so you hope they bring him in. Uh, you do still have, obviously, uh, Roundtree and Crockett next year. So that's pretty solidified. Wide receiver-wise, you have um, you have JJ still around and then uh, Emmanuel Hall. Uh, Tight end wise, you have uh, you have uh, Albert O and Kendall Blanton. Uh, you're losing Reese, uh, Jason Reese, right? That's his name. Yeah, you're losing Jason Reese. He's uh, graduating, but um, and he he was important in the past game. But there's guys there that have the ability. Uh, so tight end, you're good, and your offensive line, you're turning all five starters. So your offense. Really should be good. I know you have a new coordinator, but man, I, it, 
it looks good. Uh, it looks like a good group. You have Roundtree, who kind of showed he was ready for prime time as a freshman, and Crockett, who did the same thing, got hurt, obviously. But, you know, he's someone that that, that, that duo is, is dynamic, especially with Drew Locke. And then with Johnson and Albert O and Emmanuel Hall, you have three very good pass-catching options. And then whoever your fourth guy is, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys possible. Whoever kind of comes out and takes that spot, they should be good. Defensively, uh, the secondary kind of leaves a little room for improvement, uh, especially if Pruitt's not com- doesn't come back. Um, you have Sparks and AC as your top two cornerbacks coming in, but the linebacking core is is solid. It's returning your starters, Garrett, Hall, uh, whoever I'm missing. Um, and then defensive line, you have, like I said, you ha- you're losing your two DNs and you're kind of one of the guys that was big at the D-tackle spot. But you're returning Terry Beckner Jr. and you have a bunch of other young and young guys with a bunch of potential coming in, especially if you get Thompson Jr. So that's where that is right now. You know, there's it's a pretty good group looking forward. Uh, I know this wasn't as in depth as the basketball one. Like I said, I follow I I follow basketball recruiting a little bit more than football recruiting, just because I think it's more fun, more dynamic. Uh, so that's why I kind of know more about that, so to speak. If I really do know more, um, but. Uh, and, and the rosters don't flip as much. It's not as like dynamic, I think. So I think I follow it more. I think I follow basketball recruiting better. Uh, I think it's easier. And guys kind of guys perform sooner. So, anyways, like I'm saying, there's there's a, a lot of building blocks in place for a good Mizzou team next year. I haven't looked at their schedule. I know they play Alabama, so they have one loss already. Um, but I think they could go seven and five, eight and four, pretty easily. I mean, that's low end. I let me just pull up their schedule, I guess. I can do that right now. Um, football 2018 schedule. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's some games that you'd expect them. You expect them to win Tennessee Martin. You expect them to beat Wyoming. You should expect them to beat Purdue. I know they lost this year, but you should expect them to beat Purdue. Uh, you can probably. So, so anyways, UT Martin, Wyoming, Purdue, those are three wins right off the bat. Probably should beat Memphis. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, probably looking at losses against Georgia and Alabama, uh, maybe at Florida. So those are probably three losses. But then you could beat Memphis at home, Kentucky at home, Vanderbilt at home, at Tennessee, and Arkansas at home. So those are five wins. You could look at eight and three and go to a decent bowl game. Um, will it happen? I mean, it's way too far out to say. Uh, but, you know, the, the building blocks are in place for Mizzou to have another good year uh, in terms of uh, in terms of, in terms of the schedule and getting a decent bowl game, kind of bringing Mizzou back to where it is. Looking at 2019, I don't really know much about this class. I know there's a couple good players. There's a guy from Trinity uh, in St. Louis that Isaiah Williams is his name. He's, an, he's listed as an athlete. I don't really know what his position is. I think he's wide receiver but he's a top top recruit uh and there's a bunch of talent in state again um st louis for whatever reason has been turning out a lot of a lot of uh a lot of guys and both in football and basketball one of the guys i actually know moses akpala he's a defensive end prospect he goes to my high school uh ladue and uh our brother plays football with him so you know i'll try to get hit his ear uh and do that all right, so we're looking at the 28-minute mark now. I'm gonna transfer. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of switch into 
professional sports now. My goal is to keep this under an hour, so I'm going to try to get through these two teams, give them about 15 minutes each, kind of close up. I gave a lot more time to Mizzou basketball because I think it's the most fun to follow in terms of looking forward of the college teams. Uh, and then um, I'll probably give a little more time. To, I don't even know. I like both Blues and Cardinals. The prospects are kind of my favorite part of sports. So uh, Blues first, uh, where we are right now. Um, the Blues are 31-19-3 for 65 points and third in the Central Division, which sounds bad that we're third. But the Central Division is absolutely loaded this year. Um, so there's nothing to be ashamed of there. Uh, it's it's remarkable how deep it is. The Predators, the Winnipeg Jets are both very good. Um, and then uh, the Stars have 62 points. The Avalanche have come out of nowhere. They had a long winning streak and have 60 points. The Wilds have 59 points. And in last place, fantastically, are the Blackhawks with 55 points and so they're in last place by four points already, and the two teams ahead of them, the Avalanche and Wild, have a game in hand. Uh, watching the Blackhawks do poorly has just made my day. So so like I said, the Blues are third in the Central, but that puts them fourth in the uh, the Western Conference overall behind the shockingly successful uh, Golden Knights. Who I mean, that's come out of nowhere. I could talk about that for a long time, but I'm not going to because I'm going to focus on the Blues. Um and then uh, in terms of the overall NHL, there's uh, they're behind the Lightning, the Bruins, who just beat the Blues, uh, who have been very good, which is kind of surprising. And they are, I think, ahead of the Maple Leafs. They're tied on points with 65, but the Blues have played they play the same number of games. The Blues have one more win, but I think they would use regulation overtime wins. I don't have it off the top of my head. But anyways... There's maybe two teams in the Eastern Conference. So they're, they're, they're a top 10 team in the NHL right now. Uh, and they've done this with having without Robbie Fabry at all this year and having Jaden Schwartz hurt for a large chunk of it, which is when they had their, their down spell. So Schwartz is back. Blues have looked better since he come back, came back. I think they've lost two games since he came back. No, one game since he came back. I mean, he's only played in three games. I guess it's not that impressive, but he, they've looked a lot better overall. Um, Carter Hutton's the, one of the best goalies in the NHL right now, stats-wise. You don't expect him to keep that up. Jake Allen kind of went through a slump. He looked very good. He has played his first game in a month, basically, four weeks uh, last night against the Bruins and looked very good. There was a, a very questionable goal interference call, but we're not going to get into that. We're looking forward. We're going forward. So, <laughs> without further ado, before I get too upset about that goal interference call, um, where's, where's the, where are the Blues going forward? Um, so looking at the playoffs this year, I think the, the tough part is that because they're in the loaded central, they're going to probably be second or third in the central. And that, that means they're playing one of Winnipeg or Nashville in the first round. And that's going to be a crapshoot. I mean, that's, they're good teams. It's frustrating the way the playoffs are that one of these two teams is going to have to go out in the first round. But that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Um, and so so that's, that's – yeah, that's that. Uh do the Blues have the chance to win the, the Stanley Cup this year? Yeah. I mean, why not? They have dynamic talent. Pareko, Petrangelo, Tarasenko, are, and Shin have been, and even Schwartz. I mean, those five guys are all some of the best players in the NHL. Uh, Petrangelo especially. I mean, he won the passing competition at the All-Star game, which is cool. doesn't mean much, but it's cool. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, it's, there's a chance. Is it likely? Probably not. I think I don't know. I, you know, it's it's so hard to to 
to say, but I I don't think I don't think they're they're a favorite to come out of the Western Conference even. Uh, you know, to put it that way. But if it comes together, if Allen or Hutton stand on their head in the playoffs, I mean, Allen single-handedly won a series last year and could do it again. You know, it's it remains to be seen. Uh, and, and, I mean, someone like Tarasenko or Shin could put the team on their back and win a series. That's the, the upside. The downside is that there's not really enough enough depth to make, without a trade, I think, scoring-wise. I think if Faber was healthy, you would have it. But without him... Unless one of the young guys breaks out, it's kind of frustrating. Barbashev has looked better recently, which is nice to see. Uh, but right now, I don't really see it happening. Uh, looking at next year, uh, you're losing free agents are Upshaw, Stastny, Brodziak, and Hutton in terms of unrestricted, restricted free agents. You had to give a new contract to Edmondson, Yaskin, Sunfist, uh, and Fabry. There are a couple of Top-end free agents that are going to be available. John Tavares is, Tavares is the big name. I don't think the Blues get him. Um, it wouldn't shock me to see Stastny brought back on a cheaper contract. Right now, he's at $7 million a year. I could see that being a lot lower, maybe four and a half, maybe even less than that. He's getting up there in age. Uh, he never really was that number one elite center that we were, kind of were hoping for, but he's done a good job with the team overall, I think. And he's from—he's a St. Louis area guy, so he might want to stick around. Uh, Brodziak, I have a feeling, will be let go. I think there's just enough talent that he's unneeded. Same with Upshaw. Um, with regards to Hutton, I think his play this year has earned him a long, longer-term contract. I don't think the Blues are going to be willing to give that to him. And so I'm, I think he's going to be gone. Uh, Allen signed to 2021 season. Um, so I think that he'll, he'll be the presumptive starter going into next year. I think uh, Huso who's a prospect, will be the backup, unless they sign another cheap veteran backup and get Huso starting minutes in San Antonio, who will be the Blues AHL uh, affiliate. So so what do I think is going to happen this offseason? I think Carl Gunnarsson will be traded for a pick. Uh, the Blues right now don't have a first-round first, a first round pick. Carl Gunnarsson isn't going to get him one, but you know I think he's going to be traded for a pick. Uh, Bo Meester could be the guy who gets traded to open up even more cap room. Uh, Bo Meester, Gunnarsson, and Bortuzzo are all free agents in 2019. Um, obviously, Edmonds is going to be re-signed. I think Yask will be re-signed. I think, I think all the restricted free agents will be re-signed. Um, I think Jake Wallman would have a bigger set play, uh, game to play in 2018-19. I think so will um, Schmaltz. Schmaltz is a guy who I don't even know what to think about him. He's, I think he's NHL ready. But he doesn't play in the NHL because the Blues' right side depth is so good, and you don't want—I don't think you want Schmaltz and uh, Dunn on the same line together. There's just not enough experience there. So, but he—but he's a guy who could who could take a role next year. But I think forward is where it gets really interesting. The Blues' top prospects are mostly at forward. I think Wallman's, Huso, and Schmaltz are up there too. But I think the top top guys are forward. So Clem Costin, Jordan Cairo. Uh, Robert Thomas, Tage Thompson, who's up in the NHL now, but still counts. Sammy Blah. Um, there's just a lot of guys. Sammy Blay, excuse me. There's just a lot of guys there, and they a lot of them have dynamic talent. I mean, Jordan Cairo, I am very high on. His skating is elite. Um, he's just shown a ton of talent. He's at two points per game in the OHL right now, which is absurd. Robert Thomas, another guy I'm high on. He's he's, I think he's a Patrice Bergeron type guy where he's putting up 60, 70 points and also playing fantastic defensively. Um, he could be a guy who comes in and starts next year. 
uh, Clint Costin reminds me of Tarasenko in a way. Uh, they don't play that similar of games, but they're both dynamic right-wingers, and right-wing is a position of need. Uh, Tage Thompson's a big body with some soft hands and uh, has looked better recently. Um, even guys like Zach Sanford are going to be um, potential difference makers. So that's 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 nice. And then someone like Fabry coming back, you don't know what he's going to look like after a couple knee injuries. But when he did play, the last time we saw him play, he was dynamic offensively, uh, brought a lot of spark and energy. And he, if he comes back playing the same way, that's – uh, the, the, the forward lines next year, the next couple years, could be just unreal for the Blues. Uh, you have Shin locked in. You have Tarasenko locked in. You have Schwartz locked in. Uh, you know, you have all these top guys already signed long-term. And then you're losing Stastny, but someone like Tom, Thomas could be a replacement for him. Uh, you know, the Blues are just – they have an embarrassment of, of riches right now, I think. And – Armstrong has said, Doug Armstrong has said that he's not really looking to trade prospects, top prospects at least, for um, for, for a rental this year. And so there's a lot of reason to be optimistic of the Blues' future. I think in two or three years, they sh- they're going to be Stanley Cup favorites. And, you know, it's obviously <laughs> it's hard to get too optimistic at times about the Blues because we've all been hurt by them. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's hard not to be optimistic at times. Just looking at the talent they have and uh, seeing that going forward, it, it's fun. Um, it's just, I've always been a big prospect fan uh, for hockey, especially, I mean, I became a super strong Blues fan back when they were absolutely horrendous. And so prospects were kind of all we had, so to speak. Um, and so looking at the guys we have now, I think it's the best group of prospects we've had, perhaps ever. I mean, I guess the Tarasenko Schwartz days were maybe better, but there's just so much top end, not truly elite, maybe, you know, there's not like the blue chip guys, but there's so much top end guys. I think Corey Promian at the, at the, the athletic, formerly of ESPN, he's a big prospect guy. Had Robert Thomas ranked eighth in best prospects? I mean, you have so much talent coming up the ranks, um, which is good for two reasons. I mean, one, the NHL is getting younger. It's getting faster, so that helps. But then two, in terms of the cap situation, these young guys are cost-controlled. And so uh, that's that's exciting to see. So it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's – just, very exciting to see uh, the Blues have all this talent coming in. Um, I think this year they're not going to be Stanley Cup favorites, but you know, as soon as next year, it wouldn't surprise me. So, uh, and, and the thing with hockey is that you never, you never know. I mean, the golden—no one would have said the Golden Knights were going to be the top. I mean, they're second, the top, one of the top teams in the NHL this year, and there they are. Uh, so. Anything can happen, um, but the future is bright for the Blues, I think, overall. So transitioning now to the Cardinals. Um, I have a lot of feelings about the Cardinals. Uh, first things first, voting's out for, uh, or is about to start for Cardinals Hall of Fame. 
I think it's a slate of seven guys. Two are going to make it. The seven guys, Ray Langford, Scott Rowland, John Tudor, Vince Coleman, Lee Smith. Sorry, I had to take a quick phone call. I'm about to figure out how to splice these two recordings together now. Um, anyways, uh, Cardinals, yeah. So there's a, a slate of ca- uh, candidates for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Uh, vote for that. It's a fan vote. There's a bunch of good guys. I think all of them kind of have a argument to be making it. Um, I haven't even picked out my favorites yet. Anyways, I think Scott Rowland is probably going to be one of the guys that I vote for. I don't know about the other ones. Uh, probably Ray Langford. Anyways, looking at the team, actually, uh, we all know what happened last year. Going to this year, we've lost Lance Lynn, um, but we've added Mike Mikolas. Um, don't know much about him. He's coming from Japan. He's... I like the signing. It's a low-risk, high-reward type of signing, uh, which is cool. Um, hopefully he pans out. Uh, there are, I would like one more arm in the rotation. I'd like one more arm in the bullpen. We've also signed uh, Luke Gregerson. We traded um, traded Randall Grichuk for um, Dominic Leone and a prospect. We traded Stephen Piscotti to Oakland, which I love just because of his mother's sickness. He wanted to be closer to home. I get that. Um, but uh, to be closer to home, and we got two pretty good prospects there that I'm pretty high on. And then we traded uh, a bunch of guys, a bunch of prospects to get Marcelo Suna from um, the Marlins. He's a good guy, a good kid. The lineup, I think, is pretty solid. I actually really am a fan of our lineup. Uh, so going around the diamond, you have Yachty at catcher, obviously. He is Yachty. Uh, at first base, you have Matt Carpenter. He's Matt Carpenter. At second base, you have Colton Wong, who I think this is going to be kind of a make-or-break year in terms of who he is as a player. Uh, he has the talent, and you've seen it. You just need to put it together for a whole year. Uh, at shortstop, you have Paul DeYoung. I love him as a player. I don't know how I feel about him overall, just because... Um, so, so he... he how do I put this? In a, he, he had a fantastic year last year, obviously. But... I think he's going to regress a little. Um, he's not a fantastic defender at short. He's solid. Um, there's concerns about his approach offensively. He strikes out a lot. But he also hits a ton of home runs and got on base fairly well. And I think that it's definitely possible. So I don't know what to think of him exactly beyond that. But I'm optimistic about him. But I'm not sure he's going to be as good this year as he was last year. Still a good player. Uh, Jed Jerko is going to be our starting third baseman. <sighs> He's shown the ability to be a fantastic guy. He's good defensively. He can hit for power. Um, he's been at the Cardinals for two years, and he's had two half years that were fantastic. At the same time, he's had two half years that were not as good. And so if he can put together those two half years into one whole year on the good side, he could be very good, and that's a solid defensive and offensive infield. There's not really, everyone can hit for a little bit of power. Everyone can play decent defensively. I mean, Carpenter can get on base very, very well. Uh, and so you have that. And then you look at the outfield, the starting three outfielders in left field. You're probably going to have Ozuna or or, or uh, Fowler. Uh, and center, you're going to have Fam, and right, you're going to have the other of those, another Fowler. I, I would imagine, actually, I don't even know who's going to play where uh, yet. But either way, all three guys are solid defensively uh, and 
good offensively. I think the the thing is the weird thing is that the best offensive player is probably Tommy Pham, but it could be Ozuna. Um, and Fowler's probably the worst, but he's not bad by any means. Um, and then looking at your depth, you have a guy like Jose Martinez who was fantastic last year as potentially like kind of the, the odd guy out of that group. Uh, you have Greg Garcia. You have a bunch of talent offensively in the outfield in terms of who that fourth or fifth guy is, depending on how you view Martinez. Uh, but in terms of prospects, you I think it's going to be Bader who's going to get the fifth or fourth guy, you know, who's going to make the team. Um, it might be O'Neal. I think that you'd rather have O'Neal starting every game in Memphis. But I think O'Neal... But I think Bader's going to be fantastic as a, as that type of guy. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. And your backup catcher is uh, going to be Carson Kelly, who's one of your best prospects and one of the best catching prospects in the game. So you have a lot of depth offensively uh, in the field. Pitching-wise, you just you don't. And that's this is what is kind of killing me, is that there's guys out there, Darvish, Arietta, who could really elevate the team. There's also guys out there, like a, even like a Jaime Garcia, who they might not elevate the team, but they add that insurance blanket, that depth that you, you need. Um, and admittedly, it's been a very weird offseason in terms of people signing. Uh, normally, it happens real quickly, and this has gone slow. I mean, I think pitchers and catchers report in like a couple weeks, and there's a ton of guys who are not yet signed. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But I would love if if the Cardinals decided to spend some money, which they have. They have the money to spend. If they decided to spend the money and go get a um, go get a top end starter. Uh, in terms of the bullpen, you know, bullpens are always crap shoots, but it'd be nice to get a top guy. Uh, right now, your closer is looking to be maybe Dominic Leone, uh, maybe Luke Gregerson. Maybe you see Alex Reyes in there. You know, there's just there's not a sure shirt sure fire guy there. I've never opened oh, the shit. Sorry, I don't know what that was. Um anyways, um there's not a top fire guy there, which is frustrating. <laughs> but that is where uh the team is at. Looking at prospects is where you can kind of really get excited. Um oh man, there's so many guys, especially in the outfield, even after trading away um, uh, Mag Sierra, uh, especially at pitching, uh, even after state, trading away Sandy Alcantara. So, I I, I just I love. I, I I'm a huge fan of the Cardinals system. A lot of prospect guys for the Cardinals have been uh, releasing their top thirty list, and there's just a lot of excitement there. Uh, so looking at pitchers, you have. I mean, Alex Reyes is an elite pitcher. Uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, Dakota Hudson. Um, I think one of the best pitchers in the the, the, the uh, organization might be Jordan Hicks in terms of his stuff, which is crazy because he's he's some guy that people haven't really heard of much. Um, there's there's um, Junior Fernandez. There's um, there's just so there's so much pitching depth. Austin Gomber, Jake Woodford, uh, Connor Jones. Uh, you know, there's just Johan Oviedo. Uh, so many guys there that are capable of making an impact. Maybe not this year, but in the future. And some of them should be making an impact this year, uh, which is just exciting to see. And in the outfield, the same thing. Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Randy Arazarena, um, 
You have Oscar Mercado, Dylan Carlson, who's a little bit further away, uh, Jose Adolos Garcia, Jag, uh, Jonathan Machado's deeper, Nick Plummer's deeper. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are kind of deep in the in the organization that that still have potential. Someone like Plummer, quick quick sidebar. Someone like Plummer, he's he was drafted, uh, I think two years ago. So yeah, he was drafted in the 2015 draft, first round. He was talked about as a project back then, and he's been hurt ever since. So, he's a guy that has that potential, at least theoretically. Um, and, you know, it, it, if he puts it together, it's looking exciting, you know? There's just so much talent. And then the guys they added, like Max Schrock and Yaro Munez uh, from, 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 from uh, Oakland, those are all looking like good guys, too. Uh, a lot of power there with, or with not even a lot of power. It's a lot of hitting tools, especially Schrock. Schrock doesn't strike out, which is absurd. Um, but he's kind of limited to second base, doesn't really have speed. Uh, the catching depth is really good, too. I, I Carson Kelly is one of the best catching prospects. And then uh, Andy Andrew Kniser uh, is another guy that's looking like he might be a top prospect. Um, he was very, people talk about him a lot, especially in fall ball. So that's great to see. Um, there's just so many names that, that just keep, they keep coming. You know, it's crazy. There are, there are, okay, to take a step back before I get too excited. There are, um, some holes in the system. So the holes in the system are probably the biggest holes are left-handed pitching. You basically only have uh, Austin Gomber there. Uh, I'm looking at a list right now of top 50 prospects, and he's the only left-handed pitcher. So that's that's one hole. The other hole, I would say, are corner um, corner infielders. So your top first base prospect, I think they have here is uh, Luke Voigt, who's already 26, uh, and their highest third base prospect is uh, El Harris Montero, who uh, is way down in the system. He's a, he's 19. Uh, Patrick Wisdom is there, too, and he's not on the 40-man, but he's at least a little bit higher. He's good depth to have, but there's just not a ton of guys. Uh, they have three third basemen on here and three first basemen, but a lot of those guys are down in the 40s, so they're not really expecting them to do much. Like, for example, they have Rangel Ravello, who's 25 and a triple-A, uh, and he, he was signed as a org dev and hurt coming up. So you're not really expecting him to be uh, a prospect. Uh, you also have a little bit of middle infield depth issues. Um, like I said, you did get Schrock and Munoz uh, from, from Oakland. You have Delvin Perez, who has, you know... The thing with Delvin Perez is that he has a lot of potential, um, but he just has no power. So he has—he's a great glove guy. He's good speed, but not a great stolen base guy necessarily. Uh, he has a decent hit grade, and he had a power grade at—he was thought of a, as a five-tool guy at first, but his powers dried up since he got busted for performance enhancing drugs, and he hasn't been able to put on weight since. He's only 19, though, and he puts on weight. He has that power potential still. Um, you have Munez, like I said, and Schrock as a second baseman. 
But then going beyond that, your your guys, you have um, like Tommy Edson, uh, Alex Mejia, who's 27. Um, you have uh, Kramer Robertson, who I like, but you know, he's not really someone you expect to be top end guy. Tommy Edmond, I said, I think I said Edson, but Tommy Edmond, excuse me. Uh, there's just not really that next level of 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 uh, that next level of middle infielder. So. You know, it is what it is. Uh, overall, I think it's a very deep prospect group. Uh, it's exciting to see. Uh, there's a lot of guys who should be making an impact soon in the near future. I mean, just in 2018, including September call-ups, not, not even not including September call-ups, guys you, should, you could see. Uh, I mean, obviously Luke Weaver graduated, but you have Alex Reyes, Jack Flaherty as starters. Uh, there's a couple other guys who could make an impact uh, in terms of starters. Um or at least in the bullpen. Then in terms of outfield, you have, I think, I mean, I think any of Oscar Mercado, Adilis Garcia, Arazarena, Bader, O'Neill could make an impact this year. Uh, will they all? Probably not, but they all could. And uh, Carson Kelly should be making an impact. And that's just exciting to see this young group coming up. <sighs> now my frustrations. Um, I wish this organization would spend a little more money. They have it. They have to have it. It's been, I mean, the Cardinals are one of the most successful organizations in baseball in terms of fan base and in terms of, of success in the field. So you imagine they have money, but they're not willing to spend it yet. And so that's kind of where, where we're at. Um, I, I still don't love the fact that um, Mike Matheny is the manager. I've been more on board with him recently than most people have, and I'm willing to give him a chance, but he hasn't been a great manager. He's had success, but I don't think he's... He's a guy that gets people to give their best in terms of like giving 100%, but I don't think he puts people in the best situations to succeed. So that's where I am. Um, but this team, I think, has a chance. I mean, the Brewers really strengthened with uh, with getting Yellick and Kane, uh, and they're looking at Darvish, I believe. Um, so... They're a team that's to watch Chicago. I don't really know what to think of them. Um, their rotation is getting worse unless they bring Arietta back. But they have so much talent in terms of the outfield, or in terms of the field players, that they should be a good team. Uh, Pirates and Reds, I'm not too worried about. I think, I mean, so I think the Cardinals finished top three in the Central. Is that going to be good enough to get a playoff spot? It's tough. So I, I think the playoff spots will come from, uh, obviously, you have a three. Guaranteed ones. Uh, and I think there'll be one from the West and one from the Central. So, NL West, one from the NL Central. So, I think the Cardinals need to finish at least second in the NL Central to get a playoff spot, is what I'm saying. I think they will be able to do that. I have a feeling the Cardinals return to the playoffs this year. Maybe wishful thinking, but that's kind of where I am with them. So, it looks like altogether this is hitting about 55 minutes. So, I'm not going to talk too much about anything else. Uh, cliff Notes. Slew basketball, worry about after Title IX, kind of derailed them. But they're getting Carteret Gordon. That's going to be good for them. Uh, STLFC, new coach, signed, made a couple big signings. I have season tickets this year. Uh, thanks, Mom and Dad. That was my birthday present. Um, so hopefully they're good this year. I don't really know what to expect of them, but I'll let you know as the more I watch them. Uh, who else is there? Um, SIUC, I have no idea about their basketball team. Um, Missouri State, there's someone having someone probably get drafted, but they're not having a great year, I don't think. And 
I think I think they still might make the tournament. Uh, SIUE's I think has looked decent. I don't really know. You know, I'm kind of just speaking my ass here. Um, that's about it in terms of St. Louis sports. Oh, Josh Sargent uh, is a St. Louis soccer player who's now playing in Germany for Werder Bremen. And has apparently looked good in his uh, training debuts and stuff like that. So that's good to see. Um, uh, USA Soccer is not making the World Cup, but I'm frustrated about that. And they lost Jonathan Gonzalez to Mexico, which is just reflects poorly on the quality of executives for U.S. soccer. Uh, even though it's a time of flux, I understand that. Uh, Their uh, election's coming up for a new president. Hopefully that settles some things and gets everything sorted out. Last thing, um, those of you that don't know this, I, I go to Sun Valley a lot, Sun Valley, Idaho. I kind of consider it my second home, so I'm talking about sports that are local to me. I kind of consider that local. They don't really have anything there. In terms of like professionals or anything like that, but but um, what I'm saying is the Winter Olympics are coming up in a week from today. I am so excited for them. I love Winter Olympics. Um, winter sports are my favorite, but my Sun Valley connection and therefore my local connection for this podcast, even though it's not St. Louis local and this is a St. Louis podcast. But anyways, bear with me. Uh, there's a couple people from Sun Valley, namely or Sun Valley the surrounding. So Sun Valley, Ketchum, Haley, uh, namely Hillary Knight on the women's hockey team. She's fantastic. She did the skills contest, the shooting contest at the All-Star Game and beat some of the top players in the NHL in terms of time and accuracy. So shout out to her. They should, the USA women's hockey team should be – they're medal favorites. Uh, probably them in Canada are the two teams you expect to see in the gold medal final. Uh, besides that, you know, uh, it should be a great year for the U.S. in the Olympics as it normally is. Uh, Michaela Schifrin has a chance to win a ton of downhill skiing medals for the women. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm probably more excited than I should be. I will be watching it pretty much nonstop, except for Mizzou basketball for and Blues hockey for the next uh, month. And yeah, so welcome. Uh, thank you guys for listening to my first State of St. Louis Sports address. Uh, like I said, hopefully Spencer has the time to make one of these. Hopefully me and Spencer find uh, meshing schedule times to start recording some more of these. The problem is I have class late at night nowadays. Um, and he's working, so it's just hard to find that, uh, that, that time period. But anyways, thank you guys for listening. Uh, yeah, that's all I got.